Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Coming up in this edition of TV Black Box, here's Larry. Exclusive info on Seven's plans to launch the new series of The Chase with Larry Emder. Exclusive details on the next edition of Survivor, including the location and theme. And the half-year ratings report, Malt cuts through the spin to help us understand the stats. Welcome to the podcast where people in the TV industry get their news. This is TV Black Box. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is TV Black Box, bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. Well, hello there. We're back. God help the TV industry. And I'm joined by our Motley crew once again, Sarah Monaghan. Hello. I'm in Minneapolis this week, and it's about as exciting as you'd think it would be. <laughs> you are a traveller. Aaron Ryan is in Perth. Hello, Aaron. Yeah, hello, gorgeous people, and I absolutely have missed the podcast the last couple of weeks. I feel this podcast is like watching Mavs. Lots of fun, lots of drama, lots of bickering, but ultimately lots of love. <laughs> and Malk is in Sydney. Hello, Malk. Yes, hello from Lockdown Central. Uh, it is all sorts of fun as my uh, teenagers have had their entire holiday break in lockdown. In, oh, Jesus. And uh, <laughs> you know that. That's exactly what that is. And I'm Rob McKnight coming to you from the Gold Coast. So we are in many different locations. Uh, a little quick note, Rod Morris, who has been a great contributor last season, uh, is stepping back from the podcast due to work commitments. We loved Rob's Rod's contribution. Thank you, Rod, for all your efforts, your insights, and hopefully he'll pop back from time to time. But uh, for the moment, it's the four of us. And Look, we do need to start the show with, obviously, the sad news of TV and radio legend John O'Coleman. He lost his four-year battle with prostate cancer on Friday night. He was aged just 65. He leaves behind his wife, Margot, and two children, Oscar and Emily. Sarah, you and I worked with Jono. Um, I've said a lot about this. Uh, obviously, uh, it's funny, the, the news... When I first found out, I thought, I've got to do an obit. He'd want that. And I was trying to do, to honour his memory. And it really wasn't until Saturday night that it really started hitting me. And I was sitting there with um, Robbo, actually, and Abby, our producer, who was a producer on Studio 10. And we literally, on Saturday night, had a few drinks in his honour and watched a lot of of Jono clips, and that included, not surprisingly, a lot of nakedness. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, Jono's death was a great example of why when you are out drinking in a bar that you should never open the internet um, because uh. the stone-cold hard bitch that I normally am was sitting in a bar and I'd had a couple drinks and the first thing I saw when I opened Instagram was that Jono had died and I immediately started weeping in a bar full of people. Um 
And uh, Jono was just the nicest person. Like I've known him since he was at Channel 7 back in the day. Um, my brother even did work experience uh, on Have A Go back in the day. Um, so wow. I've known him since I was probably nine years old maybe. Um, and then coming back to Australia the last couple of times, you know, I always felt awkward and I didn't know if people were going to be nice to me or how they would perceive me. And I saw Jono and he was just the nicest. Like, I mean, and I had to explain to my husband because I, I was like, you know, who is this guy? And he I was like, he's honestly that guy that's like Alex Trebek that nobody will have mm. a bad thing to say about him. And then, oh, I've got many bad things to say about him. <laughs> but then one of <laughs> no, my I'm friends joking. from Key West, who's from London, walked into the bar as I was still a bit weepy, and um, I'm like, "You know, John O'Coleman, right?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, he's his major celebrity in Britain." And then he went back to Australia, mm. and I'm like, "Yeah, he died today." And even he was upset. Um, so he touched everybody, um, and I was just so happy looking through social media that everybody had something nice to say about him and he has just been absolutely loved on after his death, which he well deserved. Look, the the sad thing about, the sadder thing about him dying now is because of Sydney's lockdowns, he can't have the big celebrity funeral. And I know that might sound... Um, he deserved what's it, What's the word I'm looking for? It might sound, like, inconsequential, but Jono would absolutely love the big celebrity funeral. <laughs> and I've been in contact with his wife, Margot, who I swear to God, he was such a lucky man having her in his life because she kept him, I think she made him successful. She pushed him in the right directions. He had the talent, but he needed someone like Margot by his side. Um, he he will get that memorial. She said, that's absolutely what he wanted, and it will happen at a later date. Yep. Once we're past all the the current COVID situation, Mog, you were a viewer. I don't know if you knew uh, uh, Jono, but he touched everyone. Yeah, I, I only ever got to meet Jono once in passing, uh, and I'm sure I didn't make that much of an impression. Um, it, for many of my age, ilk, and um, you know disgustingness we first got to meet Jono as that weird guy on Jono uh, on Simon Townsend's Wonderworld mm. um where he really broke into the industry uh and never stopped from that point I mean a, a phenomenal talent I always remember um his stories were the ones that I enjoyed the most because they were just so weird if that makes sense like there, were always, <laughs> there was always a punchline or some kind of stuff and it, it, whenever the throw went back to Simon he was always laughing um because I think of the nature of Jono's reports. And, and of course, it didn't stop there for him. A huge career in the UK mm. uh, as a radio uh, announcer and host. Uh, and, in fact, it's been very interesting to see surface, and, you know, as many people have said some very nice things about him since his passing, that it became a rite of passage for Aussie performers who landed in the UK uh, for Jono and Margot to have them over for dinner or to go out to dinner with them oh, uh, yeah. to make sure they were okay. Like it was a, a an amazing opportunity. He's one of the few Aussies, I think, that can't. When, when he talks about uh, Paul and Richard, he's talking, talking about Sir Paul and Sir Richard um, <laughs> in, in that kind of context. Um, but he has stories up the wazoo, as you guys well know. Uh, and then to come back and, and uh, what a eulogy, what a remembrance from uh, Ian um, Rogers and Dano mm. to his Jono, who they ruled Triple J for a while. They were all over the radio and TV here in Australia. <clears throat> 
uh, just an incredible uh, career. Uh, the thing that I think uh, that I look at Jono as a performer is that he always knew where the punchline was and often it was at his expense. Yes. Uh, he was willing to go there. He knew that it was funny to, you know, the nudie run or to do the funny thing or to dress up in drag or to do whatever he needed to do to make, um, you know, the sketch or the moment work. Um, and, and I think that that is what we're going to miss the most, one of uh, a great larrikin performer uh, that we don't see on TV or even has the vehicle on TV these days. Uh, he also appeared in a segment that was described by the Daily Mail as the most cringeworthy TV segment of all time, cool. <laughs> which was a segment I made him do, which was we had the Bachelor runner-ups. It was the year Heather Maltman was in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we opened up the curtain to have Jono, uh, probably, I think, dressed as Cupid. I remember uh, on, a, on a red satin sheet with rose petals yes. trying to entice the girls. Heather Maltman, God love her, was the only one who went over (laughs) to him and that he loved that he he loved just being part of the entertainment industry so generous and so supportive of everyone didn't care what the network politics were if he liked you he stood by you and uh he's he's passing has hit a lot of people hard very hard and my heart goes out to everyone who he was touched by and it's it look it's just really sad and mm. i know he was writing a book i don't know where he got up to but i he was telling me some of the stories that were in the book oh, i really would love to see that get published because this man knows more about the entertainment industry and the secrets and his own secrets than most of the entertainment industry put together the guy has so many great stories it would be a tragedy if that never got released. Yeah, our absolute love goes out to Margot, Oscar and Emily, his family, all of his friends. Uh, and, and I think, honestly, when you live as large as Jonathan Coleman did, you leave a big hole in people's lives. Um, he's going to be missed. Absolutely. All right. As Jono would uh, say, the show must go on. Let's do it all again. And we'll move on to the other news items of recent times. And the Seven Network is set to capitalise on the expected mass viewing platform of the Tokyo Olympics, relaunching the Chase Australia with new host Larry Amja on Monday, July 26. During the Games, episodes will run for 30 minutes at 5.30pm before returning to its regular one-hour format in August. Aaron, this seems like a smart move by Seven to me. Absolutely. Obviously a smart uh, platform to launch Larry MJ episodes of The Chase uh, to an absolute maximum audience. Um, Sources have told me that that Larry has been like a seasoned professional on set. There's obviously some differences between him and and Andrew O'Keefe. The atmosphere within the team has been great and there's been positive reviews and feedback uh, from testing as well. I think they did the right thing using up every single episode of of Andrew O'Keefe. The final episode's next Tuesday and then it's just a clean break to separate themselves from Andrew O'Keefe and then and move on with Larry. So well obviously the episode's going to rate through the roof. It's uh, the lead-in is the Olympics and the lead-out will be seven news and then the Olympics. So Huge. Well, here's the thing, Mulk, that um, they would have got in trouble if they hadn't aired those episodes because they wouldn't have had to pay all those contestants. But ratings certainly haven't been affected keeping the Andrew episodes on. And anything, they're really strong. It's beating a lot of primetime shows. So, you know, it's been fine. Now it's up to Larry to pick up the torch. <laughs> no pun intended to, with the Olympics <laughs> and Gosh. and continue the race. Yeah, look, that... that- 
the, the chase runs for an hour, five to six on seven in the afternoons, and they split code it. So it's yep. five to five thirty, five thirty to six. And that second half of the Chase Australia, which is predominantly what it's just called the Chase Australia, rates its pants off as a lead into seven news uh, yeah. around the country. So a super smart move, uh, as Aaron said, to drop it in just before the news during Olympics. That's when the most eyes possible will be flying around on seven. I'm intrigued to know, as someone who is not a, a regular watcher of um, the Chase Australia, um, it, they're going to be shortened versions, aren't they? Just half an hour versions? Yes, they are. Half an hour Olympic theme versions. They'll probably just have uh, two contestants instead of four contestants. Um, I think Larry will be a great host. This is a great way to introduce him. And uh, I I think the show will just go on and be as strong as it always has been. As I said, it provides stiff competition to primetime shows. Meanwhile, The Bachelor Australia is returning to 10 just days before the Tokyo Olympic Games. The new series with pilot Jimmy Looking for Love premieres on Wednesday 21st of July with the Olympics kicking off on the Friday. The Bachelor will join Australian Survivor in the network's weekly programming going up against the Olympics. Now, Sarah, in years gone by, networks have essentially gone dead up against the Olympics. The Games this year are actually in a very primetime friendly time zone for seven. We could see swimming finals and and, and big Australian competitions in primetime. Is this a smart move by 10 to provide some alternative programming or a very dangerous move? I think they're hoping the Olympics gets cancelled again. Um, I mean, <laughs> like, here's our stuff. Maybe it'll get cancelled. Um, but I mean, a lot of people like the Olympics, but there's a lot of people who just don't give a shit. So maybe it's good to have things that you can actually watch outside of the Olympics. Cause there's only, I like men's gymnastics and men's diving and that's it. Um, everything else I'm not really interested in. And if there's an alternative, something better to watch, I'm watching that instead. It is interesting. I can't say I feel like there's a lot of Olympic hype at the moment, despite Seven's best attempts. But when the games come, and especially if Australians start winning some medals, we get excited in this country. We love a winner. We love a sporting event where Australians are winning. So, Malk, if Australians do start doing very well in prime time, I think I think The Bachelor and Survivor are in real trouble. Yeah, look, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because nine o'clock Australian Eastern Standard is essentially Tokyo seven, so you know that that prime time evening slot slides a little bit later. Um, mm. Now, there's no question that seven will be absolutely packing the seven o'clock to nine o'clock time slot with you know replays of big moments across the day because we know that they don't hold all of the medal stuff until the evening. It happens at, at all times. Yeah. Um, but that will be where all of the eyes are going to be around. If you want to get your condensed or, or you know, um, drilled down, distilled Olympic news, that 7 to 9 o'clock slot is going to be super key for 7. Uh, it, it will be, you're right, set, uh, 9 and 10 had to run something. 9 running Beauty and the Geek and 10 running Surv- Australian Survivor and then uh, The Bachelor up against it. I think is good counter-programming, though I would suspect they're not going to perform as well as they have in the past. Um, I don't think they're going to be thrashed like anything that's gone up against the Olympics previously has. Um, it, it's Look, it's a challenge. Lots of people are going to be interested to see how Seven cover the Olympics, especially given that there are now that it's in a state of emergency in Tokyo, no crowds. Um, you know, there's mm. really strict COVID protocols across all of the uh, the athletes and the the um, their coaches and all of the officials. It is 
tight, tight business there. Uh, and I wonder if that will affect it. Probably not huge, because you're right, if Aussies perform, Aussies will tune in, as we saw with Ash Barty on Saturday night. Um, Aussies will tune in at any time if there's a big moment to be seen. And I think social media is going to play a huge part in this for Seven, as will Seven Plus, because they are giving us if you want to think of them in a channel context, 40-something channels on 7 Plus weekend. It's amazing. And just watch all of the men's gymnastics or mm. all of the badminton or all of the tennis, all of the surfing, uh, and that's going to be phenomenal. If you're a fan, you just want to see your sports, that's going to be the best way to do it. Broadcasters are definitely worried about the lack of crowd. In fact, mm. NBC, which is putting a lot of events onto their new Peacock streaming service. In fact, the Olympics last year was meant to be the launch of Peacock. Yeah. They are concerned about the lack of atmosphere with the Olympics. Uh, we know that uh, people, not just Australians, people like hearing the roar of the crowd. This is why yep. we add those effects when there are no um, crowds at local games in the yep. NRL and AFL. Uh, Aaron, what worries me. I think 10 are taking a big chance. We've seen MasterChef fall really badly this year. And look, Monk's going to have a big wrap-up of this later in the show. But after, I mean, do I call MasterChef a failure? Is that unreasonable with me? It's down at 500,000. It's It's been battling for the number two spot, coming in at number three. With MasterChef not doing so well, which has been a cornerstone of 10's programming, to roll the dice and have Bachelor and Survivor up against the Olympics will either be seen as a master stroke or a really bad decision. There's no in-between here, is there? Well, I think this is actually a very, very smart move by 10, and it's actually got nothing to do with the Olympics. There's actually something else that we've forgotten here, mm -hmm. and that is that after the Olympics... Seven are going to go huge and hard with The Voice and, and nine are going to go huge with The Block. Launching The Bachelor and Australian Survivor the day after the Olympics, I, they're going to get lost anyway. The, the, mm. best, the best thing that they could do is launch both shows. They're actually launching it the week before the Olympics, by the way, so they can get some sample in there before the Olympics. Hope that, you know, they get some ratings during the Olympics, but people will watch it on 10 play and catch up and all that kind of stuff and then want to continue it after the Olympics. But launching it after the Olympics against the block and the voice is a disaster in itself as well anyway. So this is actually probably a better move. Good analysis. You've convinced me. 10 gets my tick. The overlap is a really important one, Aaron, that you've picked up because you're right that the play out for these series that 10 launch next week ahead of the opening ceremony on Friday is um, they're not two-week runs, right? They're not, they're, they're not, they run for a bit. Um, so to have them land ahead of um, Seven's new dance singing show, The Voice, I can't get over the song still. Sorry, I'm, I'm stuck in it. Uh, and, <laughs> and the block is going to be big business for both of, both seven and nine. So, And don't forget, seven still have commitments for the Paralympics too that play out after the Olympics as well. So there's going to be additional coverage and, and the Olympic feeling will keep running and all of the rest of it. Um, the challenge, of course, for 10 will be then when Survivor and The Bachelor wind up, what falls into what will be the middle of the voice and the blocks runs. Uh, and will they be able to get some oxygen in that? You would hope so because, you know, piggybacking over their launches will mean that the the people that were always going to watch those shows are always going to watch them. And then if mm. you deliver something new and heaven knows it could be pilot week, we don't know when that's coming from 10. Um, 
it has the opportunity for them to throw a little bit of a spice into the mix, which is great for you know viewers, if nothing else. Yeah. Well, Foxtel is adding yet another streaming service to their catalogue, this time focusing on news content. Former news.com.au editor-in-chief Kate DeBrito has been appointed to lead the business case. Newsflash is thought to launch later this year at a price point of around $5 per month. Now, I'm not sure, Mulk, that people are going to pay for a news streaming service. I understand the subscription model when it comes to uh, newspapers, and I'm willing to pay for my Daily Telegraph and my SMH, Career Mail and all that kind of stuff. I've got to say, Kate DeBrito is a very smart operator. If there's anyone who can make this work, it is her. I just don't see how this will fly. I'm not sure how a subscription news service will run. I think that's mm. going to be the challenge, right? Uh, and full congrats to Kevin Perry, who was all over this story when it was just a sniff on TV Black Box. Uh, and and look, here we go. It's come to pass. The information he had was correct. Well done, Kevin. Um, I, I think... Good point. The, the challenge... The challenge that they're going to face in launching it is when you have got so much free-to-air news available to you and uh, ABC News 24 running free-to-air, mm. ABC News is just called now, my apologies, um, what's your point of difference? You're right, Kate is a smart operator and won't be just dropping it out there to go, here's news, have a good one. Um, there'll mm. be reasons that you would want to subscribe. I'm really keen to understand uh, what their market prop is and, and why Newsflash is going to be uh, a thing that I would subscribe to. They already have the platform in place, you know, in what is used for Binge and KO, the stream motion platform. Uh, it will just be, what is it, feed us? And I can tell you that if this is the way that Fox News gets its uh, foot in the door in Australia, God help us all. Well, this is the thing, Malk. We've got Sky News already, which you can, pay, which you essentially pay for, obviously, yes. through your Foxtel subscription. But you're not specifically buying Sky News; you're buying the whole a suite package. Of yeah. To pay an extra five dollars a month for a news service that seems like it's going to have bits of Sky News, bit of bits of Fox News, bits of whatever else. Will it have local hostings? Mm. I mean, they're obviously working all that out, Aaron. Sure, but. Is it something that would appeal to you? Not particularly to pay just for a news channel, but I want to steal uh, Malt's uh, profile of viewers advocate because I have a question. Because this is, I do, I do this now and then because I just because I he's just got that copyrighted, mate. You can't take that. <laughs> I just because I want to understand because I don't. Um, so you have to explain this to me. I don't understand Foxtel's entire business model. Like, if you have Netflix, you 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 choose you choose an option that you want, you know, basic or premium or, or whatever. If you got um, Stan, you would choose premium, and you uh, and you choose to add on the, the sports package. Foxtel has a traditional linear package, and then they have KO and Binge and now Newsflash. I, I don't get it. If you subscribe to linear, do you get parts of KO, or do you need? This bits of KO, or do, you need, or do you already get the news on Foxtel? I guess I just would like to see one website that you go to, Foxtel, and you choose a basic package, a premium sports package, a premium news package, or a gold package where you get everything. We well, can do that. Under- it's called Foxtel. But do you get binge? Do you get KO? Do you get so um, newsflash? They're two totally different things. So we got to we got to think about this in the in the in two separate f- approaches to market. If you mm-hmm. want to have Foxtel in the tra- the traditional sense that Aaron was talking about, either with your IQ or without, because you can subscribe just to Foxtel now and and do the same thing. Packages, channel packages, all of the rest of it. Great. 
Fox but still, do you get, still do you does get that. KO in, on all the stuff that's on KO? Do you get that with your linear package? Or if would you, you have get to the subscribe? sports packages, yes. And would you get Newsflash on uh, your Foxtel? We channels? don't know what's going to be on Newsflash. It's However, too I, hard. Would, so I would hard. suggest that probably they're going to be pulling a whole bunch of content out of that. The complete difference is the price point. Binge and KO, and I would expect Newsflash, are far cheaper than um, your Foxtel subscription or Foxtel Now sub. If you want to get KO and Binge, don't. Get, get Foxtel Now or get a traditional IQ service if you can. Um, certainly Foxtel Now is would be your comparison to, to KO plus Binge plus whatever Newsflash is going to deliver us. Just go to Foxtel Now if that's what you want because that will add up to at least more than your Foxtel Now sub of the comparison. So it's mm. it's, an, it's a it's a price point comparison. They are separate businesses. There is stuff that Foxtel have exclusively um, that, for example, Binge doesn't. You can only watch Wentworth on Foxtel or Foxtel Now. It's not available on Binge yet. They're waiting for that for the final season to air this year before it drops over there. Um, and KO are doing interesting things to bring in subscribers by offering um, some sports free. So you don't even have to sign into the app. You can just download it and get tasters of what KO can offer. Plus, there is the advantage to the technology in Stream Motion um, that KO offer you picture in picture. So you can have up to four channels on your smart TV screen or on your device, the big picture, and then ones down the side. So oh. you can be monitoring multiple things at once. Um, that is something that Foxtel now does not have, and the IQ cannot offer you. Um, so there's all it's a of pretty those cool feature for sports fans. Oh, mate, if you were into it and you wanted to, uh, that that for mine is the reason enough to get KO alone if you were into sport, because mm. quite often there's more than one AFL game on at once, or there's you know more than one NRL game on at once. You know, or there's something else going on. Um, a game runs late, and you want to watch the start of the rugby. Like it's all of those kinds of things um, that play into it. So. I understand the confusion and it is a real issue that Binge, KO, Newsflash and Foxtel have to overcome. Ultimately, it's price and a little bit about library. Mm, okay. Well, it looks like the winner of this year's MasterChef has been leaked with a betting plunge on Tab Court and Sportsbet. The Australian reports Justin Narayan had started as an outsider, but hours after filming wrapped, his odds shortened to just $1.08 on Tabcourt. Sources told the newspaper that only one ending was filmed this year, unlike previous years, where two endings have been filmed to avoid spoilers. A <sighs> couple of things here. Sarah, I feel sorry for 10. For the first time, they've said we're only shooting one, if this is correct, they've said we're only filming one ending. The winner has really enjoyed the moment because it never feels real because they know that they're shooting two endings um, and someone's tried to make a bit of money on the side. But this is also a problem with betting agencies having allowing bets when the outcome is already known by some people. Yeah, isn't that insider trading? Um, yeah. <laughs> but, like, Australians will bet on anything. It amazes me because, like, <laughs> seriously, you bet on which dog will fart first. Um, oh, we well, weirdly, worst. I don't think I'm allowed to bet on on these um, sporting websites when it comes to entertainment because but how do they I police, do TV black box. How do they know, Mate, they'll take uh, your money. Yeah, they'll take uh, it and then they just won't pay it they out. They won't. But then the other thing is, what if what if this is a very clever detraction? Like someone It's a bluff. It's a what if it's a bluff? <laughs> it's a lot of money to spend. 
it's like when you look at the stock market and you know you buy a whole bunch over here like but the same company owns this and they purposely buy a bunch so that everyone bets on it and then the real winners like over here Gosh, we're starting to get into some weird territory. Um, it's a lot of money to spend on a bluff, let me tell you. Because uh, if I recall correctly, and I, I'm not a betting person, um, his odds were massive. And then on that day in May, they yeah. shrank huge. You'd be like, they hey, did. this person wins, go bet on it because they didn't like that person and made him use a whole bunch of money and it's someone else. Mate, that's when the big men with big guns turn up and knock at your door and say, <laughs> hey, what's going on? But, Malk, yeah, it's interesting. And, look, the thing I feel sorry for, and, look, people might say, how can you come from this angle? I'll I'll tell you the difference. On TV Black Box, we will post um, spoilers about cast, which we always preface usually by letting people know it's a spoiler. But we never give out details about winners. Mm -hmm. So I I think knowing the cast before launch doesn't spoil your enjoyment of the show. Mm -hmm. It uh, in some ways, when we announced Stephen Bradbury was going on Survivor, it created so much free press for 10 that it built an excitement about it. Yep. But we never reveal the winners. Big sure. difference. Um, what is disappointing about this is that 10 has no choice next year but to go back to shooting the two endings where the winner doesn't actually know oh. and it just looks fake as they're holding the big plate over their head. Yeah, look, it's it's... It's pretty horrendous, honestly. The gambling industry has done horrific things to families for a long, long time, and for it to now be starting to eke into reality television contestant stuff is, in my opinion, bullshit. Um, It it hurts production as well. I don't think you can blame the betting agencies for this. People people like gambling. End of story. Gambling is bad. It's the people. I'm sure it's a thing. People can buy into it. Fine. Knock yourself out. Fill your boots. Gambling hurts families. End of story question though if there's a bet going on and you know the answer and you spoiler alert it on tv black box what Mm. happens to all those bets well put it this way the sporting agencies are aware of what tv black box publishes so if we did publish something like that they would change run a book on us publishing the oztam ratings yeah that's right i want to have a go with the business model thing again i mean what business has a has a betting thing where something's pre-recorded though whatever it is yeah that's a huge risk it's just a stu- like the whole better thing about sp- sports betting is a live thing. No one knows until it actually happens. But something that's filmed three months ago, where potentially between one and twenty people know the answer, is just a, it's just stupid. Like, it is well, asking for but, trouble. But they they generate revenue they wouldn't usually get from people that don't follow sports but love their reality TV. There's obviously a business model in it and they weigh up the risks knowing that some people will know the outcome but of course they can refuse the bet. So if they become aware that someone must know the outcome they can deal with that. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) that's for them to worry about. It's just an interesting note about how um, it looks as though the winner has been revealed. But speaking of Channel 10, they're gearing up for the launch of Survivor, Brains versus Brawn, of course, but now TV Black Box can reveal the next location for the iconic series. Kevin Perry reveals production is set to move from Cloncurry in rural Queensland to Charters Towers, about an hour from Townsville. And in a further development, sources have told Kevin the theme for the next series will be Blood versus Water. Now, this format sees previous castaways return to Survivor to compete with and ultimately against their own blood relatives. Malt, you are a big Survivor fan. 
thoughts on this new thing? Big Survivor fan that absolutely balls up explaining what Blood versus Water was off air to Aaron. That's how big fan <laughs> I am. There is too much Survivor. It's it's pretty incredible. Um, look, I'm I'm pumped. I'm very keen to see this series of Australian Survivor that was filmed out Clon- Cloncurry way. I think it was mm-hmm. um, like Western Queensland. Um, I'm hoping above all hopes that it breaks the curse of Australians filming Survivor in Australia. Let's not talk about the Channel Nine version that absolutely. Well, that was once, up. and that was a low budget production that was. In- embarrassing There's the first challenge here, had mate. to be abandoned because it was too windy <laughs> one challenge that was it it was amazing to watch what they had to put to air there's only been two <laughs> the very second series of us survivor which was great that's where we got to meet cody uh and the the, the that australian one that we're talking about look i think they'll do a great job that'll be fine to have hmm. them already confer well to have us know that it's confirmed that Charters Towers will be uh, around Charters Towers will be the location of the second um, series filmed in Australia for Australian Survivor on Ten. The Blood versus Water format I think is great uh, because I think we're probably at seasons what six or seven or eight I think by about then. So we've got um, enough back catalogue of fan favourite contestants mm. to be able to bring back and then bring a family member that would want to compete. And I think that that's going to be the fun part of mixing that up. Um, I'm really impressed, honestly, with how well Australian Survivor has delivered uh, and continues to deliver year on year for 10 and and the production around it. I I think that Survivor doing Survivor things is a win. I think other shows co-opting the Survivor methodology and process hasn't maybe worked out as well, but Australian Survivor doing Survivor stuff is a massive win, and I look forward to the heat affecting our contestants. I look forward mm. to some pretty brutal challenges uh, and water being reasonably scarce, which will be, you know, a, a real punctuation point compared to, you know, your Pacific Island one where they can go and lay lay in the ocean mm. and go, oh, let's just cool down after a big event. There's none of that here, mate. Sarah, the Aussie version really stands up, doesn't it? I think the production values of the Aussie version are great. It made sense that Ten and the production company just made the decision to stay in Australia. We are in uncharted territory with this pandemic, and it's a bit of a no-brainer just to get the next series shot under the safety of staying in the country. Well, and I don't understand why Australians don't do more stuff in Australia, given every other country comes to Australia to film these kind of shows. All the money. You never appreciate your own backyard. It's always got more of an allure if you go to another country. It's like Australia went to South Africa for I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, but the English version comes here. Because it's, uh, take that show, it's meant to be a scary experience in the unknown. Us going into our own outback isn't necessarily a scary experience. It's also how you, it's also how you portray it though, right? Like, of course. Um, this outback version of Australian Survivor, they are absolutely going to lean into the fact that it, they already have. It's desolate. There's not much there. Yep. It's dangerous. There's tiger snakes, there's king browns. Like- yeah, all of the stuff, right? There's spiders and yeah, emus will eat you and things. Um, we have to lean into the fact that it's all about the cash too, right? There are incentives for programs to go into different places. To have a big American show or movie film in Australia, there are all sorts of in- incentives the government provides for that to happen, just as there are incentives for Australian productions to stay here. To film uh, in the Pacific for Australian Survivor at least, the additional benefit isn't just the fact that they get kickbacks from, you know, the nation of Fiji, I think it was where they've been filming. They also get to reuse some of the American set and infrastructure. Um, So that's a huge cost saving, whereas they've had to, yeah, build tents and stuff. Also, there's the notion that in a, if you're going to film in Australia, you have to start to deal with unionised labour. And if you're filming offshore, 
not so much. Mm. Kevin's report says that they received $3.9 million in funding for the federal government to film mm. in Australia. There's those incentives we're talking about. Yeah. Well, but the other thing is it's a postcard. So if you if you film in Australia and mm. then other people overseas watch it, they all see Australia. So it's 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 a great tourism thing. And mm. then also you've built the set. Now maybe other people will come and pay you to use your set. Oh, yeah. th- there's no question they'd be hoping that American Survivor decides to come and film in Australia. No question they'd be hoping. And and Sarah, that's the exact thing Seven want with Holy Moly and and. Angus Ross, the head of programming at uh, Seven, told Aaron that they can't make another series of Holy Moly until the borders open and other um, countries can come and use their set. So it looks like Holy Moly might come back if they can make a financial model that works. But look, now it is time for Hatches and Dispatches with Sarah. Thanks, Rob. Paul Kennedy has left ABC News Breakfast to become a senior sports reporter across all ABC News programs and platforms. Tony Armstrong has taken over as the full-time sports reporter on The Brecky Show. <laughs> Top-rating South Australian travel and lifestyle program South Aussie with Cozzy is set to move to a new home on the Seven Network. The lifestyle show has been part of the programming lineup on Nine since 2011 and has become the highest rating local travel and lifestyle series on Adelaide television. Netflix is offering two post-production entry-level positions on the upcoming Heartbreak High reboot. The 17-week experience will be fully paid, but it is designed as an opportunity for the disadvantaged and disabled. And Viacom CBS has announced that its first original Australian Commission drama series, Spreadsheet, has begun production in Melbourne for Paramount+. Plus. The eight-part comedy series is about a divorced, hectic mother of two who is looking for sex without commitment. And that is this week's Hatches and Dispatches, Rob. Thank you, Sarah. Still ahead, the half-year ratings report. Malt cuts through the spin to reveal the real winners and losers. Plus, we'll find out what everyone's been watching over the past couple of weeks. You're listening to TV Black Box. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. All right. We are at the halfway part of the year. And the network spin has begun about who has lost and who has won. But to cut through all the spin, we go to our friend Mulk, who's across all the figures and is going to break it down so that even I can understand. Mulk. <laughs> Asterisk, there's no guarantee Rob will understand. Um, <laughs> hello, friends. Look, the, the interesting that you say that the spin has begun. Really, the spin has just ramped up. Uh, the PR Jedis at all of the commercial networks have been working overtime for most of the year, as is their job, to make sure that we knew that their thing was the best thing. Um, and that is always the case. Friends, it is hard to kind of disagree with them sometimes because sometimes they slice and dice the numbers so specifically that they are right. That is, in fact, the problem. The devil is in the detail, where the numbers come from and what they look like. 
it's a challenge. Now, in talking about this this first half of the year, I'm going to talk about the first half of the ratings year. So that is the first 20 weeks of ratings, excluding Easter, excluding the first seven weeks. Because while everybody programs for 48 to 52 weeks of the year, while Oztem still talk about the ratings year, they talk about those magical 40 weeks that start mid-February and run until November, and they take two weeks off at Easter for some reason. It's a fucking mess. Um, quite frankly, they should do away with it and just go week one is the first week of January through the last week of December and screw this 40 week idea. Cause I can guarantee you seven or nine will make a claim after four weeks into 2022 that they won the year based on weeks one to 52 instead of the ratings year, because somebody else won that portion of the numbers. Well, anyway, the short answer is for the first half of the ratings year, everybody won. If you read their press releases from seven <laughs> and from nine and from ten, everybody won something, and which is fine. They but are you're not all going to tell us the truth. Well, as I said, they are not without their reasoning behind it. So we'll start at the very first issue. We'll hit on total people, five city metro, commercial share. We're talking seven, nine, and ten. We don't without being indiscreet. We don't care about the ABC and uh, SBS in this commercial share. Prime time, 6 o'clock till midnight. So 6 o'clock p.m. to midnight in those weeks. So the 20 ratings weeks of this year. Mm-hmm. If we talk about weekly wins, total people, as we hit the halfway point, nine are ahead for their channel, their primary channel, 13 to 7, over 7. And on network, they are by a snifter ahead of 7, 11 to 9. That's total people. Now, as they've both said, they don't care about total people. So forget what I just told you. Let's talk about 25 to 54, the same the same mark. For primary channel, nine is ahead 14 to six on 25 to 54s for their primary channel. And for network, nine are ahead 14 to six. It is, I won't say neck and neck, but the, the measures for 25 to 54s are the same for right now. Obviously, this doesn't include 10. They haven't won a week in either of those um, demos. Total people are 25 to 54, but they are competitive in the under 50s. Now, the under 50s market is a a tough one to call. As I've complained before, Oztam don't deliver us an under 50s demo like they do the 16 to 39 or the 25 to 54s. We, We have to trust them. Add to that that 10 are the only network that can add in subscription channels like Nickelodeon, MTV, into their suite and say these are a part of our stuff and to roll it out. (laughs) Hello, Rob, I see that hand. Yeah, sorry, I didn't want to interrupt if you were still on a thought. I'd like to jump in on the under-50s thing if I can for a moment, Malt, because the claims by 10 saying undisputed in Mm under-50s has been intriguing me and I'm actually going to do a Judge Rob um, article for TV Black Box where I question this and come will come up with my verdict. What mm. I would say for the moment is 10 has clarified that they have been very specific in their line undisputed under 50s encompasses mm. all those things you're talking about. Yep. Because what they're saying is when they make that claim, it's 10 Viacom CBS. So it's Nickelodeon, it's MTV, it's all of the things combined. It's not just the 10 network. Yep. That's a really important distinction. We know the 10 network is going for under 50s, and I don't have last week's figures 
into what I'm about to give you, but I have been doing some research on this because I think it's really interesting. When 10 claimed 16 to 39, they definitely own that. We're in a, they're in a much more competitive market at the moment. Mm-hmm. So when they're trying to go for the under 50s, it's a little harder than where it was years ago. It's a good positioning statement for them. Yes. It's where they absolutely need to be, and I commend it, but this is where we are. So, so far in the under 50s for the exact same period you're talking about, the 20-week yep. calendars, but I'm only got up until week 19. I need to disclose sure. that. So the figures might change slightly with the last week. So coming in at first position is the Nine Network on 38.3%. That's a rise of 0.7% from 2020. The Seven Network is coming in second on 34.1%. They've got the biggest rise in that demo of Mm. 1.4%. Network 10 is coming in third on 27.6%. That's a big difference between the two leaders in that demo. They have dropped minus 2.1% year on year. So the big problem 10's got is that even in their chosen demo, they are coming third and by a big margin. There is over a 10-point share difference between them and the leader, Channel 9. That's a problem. Well, it is if they're they're pitching themselves as the under-50s network, undisputed, and and those figures that you've just shared don't suggest that they're the leaders in under 50s. There's no question they aim and they, they target pretty hard into that. But yeah, those, I haven't seen those numbers beyond you sharing them just now. So that's, I'll say not unsurprising, but a surprise, if that, if that makes sense. Um, look, there is no question when we talk the three commercial networks, 10 are in a difficult position and they need to work their ass off to get out of it. Um, if they're going to make bold claims like they do around the undisputed under 50s, they need to back it up, and those figures don't sound like they're backing it up. Um, but once again, they say that encompasses all of their brands. But the problem is when we're trying to compare apples with apples, yes. you need to compare Network oh 10 so to Network hard. 9 and Network 7. Well, and that straight away leads me back into that we can't, we can't do an apples-to-apples comparison because there is no under-50s formal demo that's published or we can go on other demos that give us in total people. Um, Now, just to acknowledge, without looking too far forward, that's the first 20 weeks of the year just in numbers. And as I maintain, I reckon we can have a split result at the end where one channel Mm -hmm. will win primary channel and the other will win the network. Um, we'll we'll get to see how that plays out, but absolutely, because the Olympics are all but upon us, and then the run to the end of the year, um, it is a significant gear change for Seven. Um, we we have talked at length already how their Q1 wasn't great, and how their Q2 improved on their Q1 mm. for for a short time. They were giving us week on week improvements. Yeah, no shit, Sherlock. Um, Nine have had a great front quarter. Their second quarter has been challenged more, so therefore it's been more competitive in that situation. I mean, if I just talk about um, programs, stuff that I would say is highlights, hit or miss, and stuff that didn't fire, 
it's been a bit of a, a, a wealth across all three commercial networks. The Oprah interview, the Harry and Meghan Oprah interview, did massive business for mm. 10. Um, the State of Origin has done good for nine, just as the AFL has continued to be good business for seven. Married at First Sight was massive. Big Brother lifted its um, its own weight, I would offer. And Farmer Wants a Wife is doing the same for seven. Lego was good business for nine, and I love that show so much. Um, the Amazing Race, <laughs> I was really surprised, held its own. Uh, for 10 not as competitive as it could have been but it also fell into a, a slot where because seven's offerings didn't do so great tara did better than um uh, i think we could have expected it though Gogglebox and have you been paying attention continue to be high points in 10 schedule you'd want those on 40 weeks a year if you could do it if you could convince working dog and foxtel to commission those two shows 40 weeks a year i've got to say mal have you I been paying attention there's... nearly does run 40 weeks a year it's 20 uh, to 30 well, yeah, uh, but the simple fact is 10 have shown, and I know I harp on about this, there is a potential for 9 o'clock, especially with that network, mm. who have viewers under 50 who under are willing 50. to stay up. If 10 could build a lineup of programming at 9 o'clock each night with Have You Been Paying Attention, Gogglebox, some other things Tuesdays and Wednesdays, they would actually lift their share, start doing better in their under-50s demo. And if I was running that network, my target for 2022 would be to have some shows at 9 o'clock that I could start competing for that overall share. The other networks, mm -hmm. I know that 9 o'clock is on their radar. I don't think there are any solid plans in place. But 10 are showing the audience is there. When you see Have You Been Paying Attention beating 7.30 offerings and even being the number one show, that tells me there's an opportunity there for anyone willing to roll the dice and take a chance. It, I, I agree. I mean, it's, it's an easier position for nine and for seven because they can spend, um, let's call it easier money, on buying in US drama and slotting it in and getting a pretty, you know, reliable two to three to 400,000 viewers into the later evening. And that doesn't cost them anywhere near trying to run intentionally Australian-made programming into those time slots. Oh, um, mate. It's, it's a bit of a how a, You can it. get a 40-week run at, with a panel-based show for under 10 million a year. Like, it's not a huge investment when you think six weeks of The Voice is $20 million. Yeah, yeah, but we're not talking about seven thirty or seven o'clock. We're talking about. I understand, but you want and advertising to buy a season of to buy a season of nine one one or Lone Star on seven as an example. They're not paying ten million bucks for that. Yeah, but if you can get proper ratings at nine o'clock and lead advertisers in, your it's worth a ten million dollar investment. You've to got me. to want to. You've got to take the risk, and you've got to back yep. it. And what we yep. have seen is all three networks are risk averse. Nobody wants to drop a big new thing into nine o'clock, pour $10 million into it and have it go belly up or sure. back it through the rough patch. No one is willing to do that. Um, but the other problem is when 7.30 fails, you've got no backup. So sure. if your 7.30 offering fails <laughs> Which to ignite the audience, year, no you question. could have a nine o'clock program that saves your ass, like Have You Been Paying Attention has done during MasterChef. Yeah, 10 have the problem MasterChef that it's not the late night though. Like, it's their front bit of the night. Now, we're, look, I acknowledge straight away the project is is overlapping into the toughest time slot in Australian television, 6 to 7 o'clock, weeknights, 
is seven but or nine years. But when are we going to acknowledge the project is an underperformer? For the amount Completely. of publicity and promotion it gets and free publicity on news websites, the figures it does is not great. Now, it's a tough battle, and I'm not shit-canning the project mm. in any way, shape or form. But realistically, the show underperforms. Well, the challenge is that you don't see clips of seven or nine news do the rounds on social media like clips Correct. of the project do. So that's, I mean, there's swings and roundabouts, but I agree, the project should be rating much better than it does, at least the seven o'clock half hour. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I'm not in charge of anything there. It, it it needs a bit of love and it needs some boosting. To Ten's credit, they did stick with it. And the, the challenge is if they, if they were to take it off, they're not going to. What would they replace it with? That becomes. Oh, I'm their... not advocating for the project to be axed in no. any way, shape, or form. And Ten loves the project, and so it's not going anywhere. I've just made a observation that it should actually be rating better. Um, and I think with especially Ten, nine o'clock is a real opportunity when they're facing when their cornerstone product, MasterChef, yep. is now at the half million point. When last year it was what eight nine hundred thousand, uh, tough comparison, and but over yes. a million at some points. That I I I think there's real cons- cause for concern over MasterChef because what we're seeing with nine and seven, yes, seven had a shit um, Q1, but the way they bounce back with news, sport, and seven thirty programming, Big Brother doesn't have to be the number one show to help Seven's overall share. So Big Brother is a success, to my mind. It Mm. hit the demos. It helped Seven lift its overall share. And the other blocks that Seven had in its wall, the building blocks, helped Seven get way back in the game. The problem for 10 is that when MasterChef doesn't fire, there's nothing else to help keep it afloat except for have you been paying attention and Gogglebox. So they don't have the sport, they don't have the news lead-in, the project underperforms. So realistically, when you're locked in from 5 until 7 o'clock, you've got nowhere to move there, right? So when 7.30 isn't firing, if you had, and have you been paying attention, is the perfect example, you can build something at 9 o'clock that becomes appointment TV that gives you 40 weeks of consistency and viewers know... I can go there on Monday nights for have you been paying attention. I can go there on Tuesday nights for whether it's Husey we have a problem, not that I'm advocating that to be the show because that hasn't been a world beater. But do you understand what I'm saying? That by having a 9 o'clock strategy, the network could actually change the narrative. And and this, I think what you've highlighted is is fair for 10. It's also the difference between first and second. You know, when your 7.30 thing craps and you don't have anything at 9 o'clock, your night's done. Um, and this, I think, I think seven comparison. and nine should absolutely be working on a nine pm strategy as well. I hundred percent think that. Well, this this leads us and, and rounds us out pretty neatly into the the what the shows that I thought were hit and miss and the shows that didn't fire. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that seven years spotlight was really good or it was really not, and it, it yeah. kind of rated really big or really poorly for seven in Sunday nights. Sometimes beating the program that was otherwise winning, you know, that seven thirty slot through the week. Um, I thought that Celebrity Apprentice was hit or miss. It did win some, but it didn't fire, I think, as good as it could have, and Dancing with the Stars was the same. Um, Sorry, on Celebrity Apprentice, can I send a casting note? Please. Next season, you got to get Susie Elliman on. She would be so good at 
she'd have arguments. She'd stand up for herself and she's actually very smart. I Maybe she's on the radar. I really don't know. And Susie would probably hate me saying this publicly. She should so be on that show. Well, well, there you go. If you're listening, casting for Celebrity Apprentice. Um, there, there were a couple, I think, of notable, not so great misses. Holy Molly was one. It was going to be huge, and then it wasn't, unfortunately, for, for mm. seven. Um, the Cube didn't fire for ten in any stretch, uh, and I think that, well, we've had confirmed there's going to be another season of The Cube. Well, Andy Lee said that. Hope that improves. Um, and I, controversially, I'm going to say that MasterChef hasn't fired. Um, now, there's no question it's down on last year. I think the comparisons to Sorry, last year... Sorry, did you year say has or hasn't? Has not fired. Oh, no, it hasn't. Um, uh, it's tough to compare it to last season because I think that's almost apples to oranges. Because yeah. they had all of the MasterChef past contestants and it was new judges, there was a lot of rubbernecker factor. But, and but this that was year, a smart play. The case. Oh, brilliant. That was a smart was a play smart to take move. the pressure off the judges. So smart. However, this year was always going to be the test and mm. it's come in a bit half-baked. I think that mm. the celebrity version that's going to come later this year um, won't be the deciding factor. We'll see another season of MasterChef for sure. Um mm. However, if the ratings for it continue next year as they did this year, we might be seeing the rounding out of that franchise. <laughs> I don't know, unless 10's got something else to go to. Oh, no. I, I, well, like I said, we'll get it for 2022. I'm saying yeah, if 2022 it, performs I, I like this. I would even suggest 2023, to be honest. Jeepers, mate. That's flogging the proverbial dead horse half medium mm-hmm. whale. You think they'd rather see it with something that doesn't rate than have to come up with something new? Well, to Tan's credit, Pilot Week is their perfect opportunity to try everything and to come up with the new 9 o'clock show, to come up with the new Mm -hmm. MasterChef stripped reality thing that they can, even if it's just the germ of the idea to work it into it. Um, We'll have to see what they give us because they haven't had heaps of success out of their past couple of Pilot pilot Weeks. I heard a rumour that Ten were um, looking at having the Ange Robin Robbo show as part of Pilot Week for the 9 o'clock slot. And then I woke up. And then I woke up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Aaron, any thoughts on all of that from Mulk? Well, believe it or not, not too much. I think where we are now is absolutely where we all thought uh, we're going to be now. We all knew that that Channel 9 were absolutely going to screw the competition at the start of the year with uh, the tennis and Married at First Sight. That was going to happen, and we all knew that Seven was probably going to bounce back quite considerably after Married at First Sight. And then it's now sort of getting close to neck and neck total people. So I think where we're at, and I think we knew that MasterChef was not going to match the All Stars thing. So I don't think. Yeah, but the surpri- drop off still surprises me. Oh, the, the huge drop off, yeah. The thing I'll say about 10, uh, and oh my God, it's, this, this will almost sound like I'm, I'm creating another demographic for them, which is, which is <laughs> a really, I don't even want to give them the idea. But the thing is, and the reality is, if you look at 7.30 to 9.30, where all the, the advertising dollars are, I bet if you put the ratings comparisons together with the demos and all that kind of stuff, they, it, would, it would be fairly neck and neck with, with 7 and 9 because they do do well in that 500, 600,000, you know, sort of numbers in the, in that time slot, they just completely fall apart because they have 250,000 people watching 10 News First at 6 o'clock when the other channels are getting a million viewers for 7 and 9 News. Mm-hmm. They just wait. And then the project at 6.30 is a disaster. But then at 7 o'clock, they get about 450,000, 500,000. They're actually not that far behind home and away. And then another 100,000 with, with uh, a current affair. So it's not that bad. But then they absolutely 
drop the ball later in the night with with repeats of the project at 10.30 and bull repeats and Saturday nights they get a 6% share or something. You know, they got beaten by SBS two weeks ago. But their actual core, when they're running MasterChef or Australian Survivor or whatever, they they actually do quite well. Um, so, as I said, I'm not suggesting that they... they so what, what, what demo are you suggesting here? They have a demo of 7.30 to 8.30? Well, no. Well, and 9.30 because, as you said, they actually do better at 8.30. Gogglebox smashes it. And look, it. 10 Gogglebox have tried... Ten have tried in the past to say, well, we're only counting six till ten. But the problem with that is yeah, 10, 30, it's, yeah. it's not a real thing. Prime time thing. is six until midnight. Yeah, so again, I'm not suggesting, because the figures are the figures. You have to have apples with apples. But mm-hmm. what I'm saying is those figures do come out the way they come out because you do have to encapsulate the entire time every night of the week you have to include saturday nights but where the advertising dollars are i'm just saying we have to appreciate that 10 actually do quite well competitively and then at 8 30 they actually smash the competition when they have things like goggle box and have you been paying attention so you know that's mm. why there's you see this 32 percent 31 percent and then like 22 percent and that's why because of those key areas outside of 7 30 where they're where they're losing the only other thing I will say where I disagree with with Malk is looking ahead to the end of the year, it'll probably be a primary versus network. I think seven will kill the rest of the year. Nine only really have the block. If you look at their other stuff... Beauty and the got, Geek this week has launched brilliantly. Yeah, but that's going to go against um, the Olympics, which is going to get smashed. But then they've only got really the parent jury coming up, Beach House Escapes, Celebrity IOU Australia maybe. But seven have got much bigger glitzier stuff like SAS Australia, Big Brother VIP, The Voice. Um, I don't know how well RFDS will do, but they've got the all-new Monty and they're probably going to throw in some Hopefully more... it goes well. We need more Australian drama, please. Yeah, and and the Spotlight series, they'll probably air a few more of those. So I think Seven will kill the back half of the year. I don't think it will be... It'll still be close by the end of the year, but I don't think it's going to be a network versus, versus primary thing. I think Seven will win in both, but... Yeah, that that was probably my analysis. I think where we're, where we are now is what is expected. I think. And sorry, just an update because as we're recording this, uh, the ratings have dropped, and the MasterChef Grand Finale did Grand Finale Part One did seven hundred ninety nine thousand last God. night. Oh, um, have you been paying attention? And that was the number five show of the night. Yep. Have you been paying attention? Was number nine on six hundred seventy four thousand. Farmer Wants a Wife was next on 660,000. Beauty and the Geek had a massive fall. That's gone, that's the number 12 show of the night behind Home and Away on 622,000. So, an interesting turnaround from launch night tonight, too, for Beauty and the Geek. Um, Well done to MasterChef. Interest still in the finales for that show. Uh, So, very, very interesting figures and interesting analysis. Malt predicted that just before the uh, podcast. He said, wait for those uh, those ratings to come in with Beauty and the Geek. It's going to drop big time. Mm. All right. Let's find out what everyone's been watching while we've been on our two-week sojourn. Sarah, what have you been watching? Well, we all know I've been watching NCIS. Um, <laughs> otherwise, uh, we watched uh, the Irish show Dairy Girls, which was about a bunch of high school girls during the Troubles in Ireland. Um I thought I swore a lot. 
Um, and these guys made me look like a nun and it was brilliant. Um, then I watched, uh, some horrific show called Valor, um, which if you've ever served in the military, you will scream at the television the entire time because it's about some elite helicopter unit in the U.S. Army where apparently nobody knows any of the uniform regulations. Um, and yeah, I read the reviews and I wasn't the only person. Everyone who'd ever been in the military, like, just yelled at this TV show. Were they all on streamers, Sarah? It's on uh, Netflix. Is um, Valor? Uh, or, or maybe uh, Dairy Girls was, I think, was on Netflix. Yep. Um, Valor may have been on one of the other random things that we had because I told Matt I wanted to watch G.I. Jane, <laughs> and so he found this. <laughs> and it was terrible, and it was 13 episodes worth. Um, so, yeah, it was – but there's a lot of eye candy. So watch it for that if you've never been in the military. And then while we were scrolling around, we saw um, Westworld, the original version with Yul Brunner. Um, and so we watched that, and that was actually really good. Um, and then to top that off, to go the other way, we watched something called Cajillionaire, which was Deborah Winger, Richard Jenkins – Gina Rodriguez and Evan Rachel Wood. And you would expect with this cast, it would be really good. And it was one of those movies that you walked away and you were like, what the fuck did I just watch? I have no idea what any of that was. <laughs> Aaron, what have you been watching? Oh, yeah, a few things. I'm madly going on to Google now because I know Monk says, where is it that you've been watching it? And I was just trying to find out where these shows actually air. Um but anyway, I did go back and from the very start, this was going back about 10 years ago, I, I watched Veronica Mars from the very beginning. So I watched all the mm. three original seasons that they had and then there was a follow-up movie that they did and I watched that last night. And now they actually made a new eight-part season in 2019, which I will have to watch this week. So there was always a lot of talk about Veronica Mars. It was good. I, I'm not sure that it should have got the all the accolades and how great it was, you know, it's okay, but yeah, I, I have enjoyed the series. It's good. The other big show that I love watching is Animal Kingdom, and that's back. The first episode aired yesterday in the US. Um, I love the show. My Googling Malt says it's on Netflix, so I think that's where you can watch it um, down under. Um, <laughs> you mean oh. where you live, Aaron? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that, yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> I was wondering oh, why you're dearie, laughing. Dearie, and I, just, dearie I just got me. that. Um, also, if you know how some shows sort of describe, you know, what kind of person you are, the kind of shows that you watch. So, if there's one show that describes who I am, and this might answer a few questions, a show that I never miss is Judge Judy. Absolutely, watch every episode <laughs> for the last twenty years. Never miss an episode. Um, loving the And Rob and Robbo show. I, I'm, wanting, I'm wanting to know when Robbo's coming back, but you know, I'll have to. He's get back this week, mate. Have you got inside scoop on that, have you? I, I've heard rumour. Insiders at the And Rob and Robbo show tell me that Robbo is coming back. And God. a big shout-out. Sarah Monaghan has been filling in on the various roles. She's been in the cast more than some of the cast. <laughs> and, Sarah, you are just so insightful. And I've got to say, I know executives at networks listen to this show. Sarah, when it comes to um, 
political commentary and topical comments on stories happening today. Her insights and her takes are just brilliant. And Sarah, I'm so grateful to you for always stepping in when it's usually three or four o'clock in the morning, wherever you are. And seriously, you have done an amazing job. You need to be used by whether it's Sunrise Today, whoever, as for for take hot takes about what's happening in America or anywhere in the world, you, you're just amazing. So thank you for that. Aww, Sorry, Aaron. Love. And, and and let's be honest, Sarah, you'll be back because Andrew and Robert <laughs> can't stay together for more than one for more than one week. You know, at, at this yeah, point. Yeah, but that's that's the great thing. We've got a great extended family. Yeah. And uh, finally, Rob, and I need you to help me out with this one. I. I just can't stop watching The Weakest Link, and I want to know why. I It's better now than it was from the Sweet beginning, but I keep going back, and I just keep watching it, and I keep going, oh, oh. Well, that's and, and because it's back. like watching a car crash. We all slowed down as we're driving past, but I did hear that it got better as they were doing the series. No, so if, we, if viewers now actually watched it now, it actually may be a good show. I, I haven't taken another look, I will be honest. No, I, I do. I did say that it has mm. actually got better, and I have watched each episode. But we're going from a zero out of ten to a three out of ten. It's right. I mean, three hundred percent improvement. Three hundred percent improvement. Appreciation index has has gone up by a massive three hundred percent. There's the spin. That's me. Um, I've got to thank Malk because Malk. You mentioned Jeremy Clarkson's The Farm on oh, Amazon Prime Video. Wasn't that so good? It is such a good show. My daughter, Eloise, is absolutely addicted to it. She wants to just watch it over and over again. So the family became addicted to it. Um, it was a great, great recommendation from you, Mulk. I also have been able to watch Black Widow through my Disney Plus subscription. Mm -hmm. So instead of having to go to the movies, I watched it as part of their instant premiere access and we gathered around on Friday night when it became available. We made a big night of it. And I've got to say for families, it's great because we can pause when there's things to deal with. We can have toilet breaks and it was a great movie anyway. I really, really loved it. I wasn't expecting much from Black Widow. I don't know why, but I really, really enjoyed the storyline, the characterizations. I really thought it had a lot of heart. This is a great addition to the Marvel Universe. Loved it. Uh, have also, that then prompted me to go back and watch Avengers uh, Infinity War and then Endgame, uh, just so that I could have a refresh. I'm loving Loki. Uh, that show, the twists and turns of that show are just phenomenal. My wife and I finally got an hour where we could sit together and watch The Handmaid's Tale. So we've watched one episode from oh the new God. series and Jesus. are desperate to watch more. But also Ragnarok on Netflix. This is uh, uh, basically a guy has the embodiment of uh, Thor and uh, it's, a, it's a foreign film. It's Norwegian, I believe. It's not the Marvel Thor Ragnarok. This no, is no, a no, no. Series, it's just yes. Ragnarok. Thank you for the clarification. It's on Netflix. I think it's Norwegian. Yep. Um, it's, so it's overdubbed. Sometimes the voice acting is terrible. But the, if, it, if this was in English, this would be, would be a no-brainer for us all. But it's still really enjoyable. The second season is out. And on BritBox... I have discovered Alan Partridge. I've Excellent. always sort of been aware of this character, but I watched um, Knowing Me, Knowing You with Alan Partridge. This is so 
brilliant. So great. So brilliant. Um, and I've got to tell you what it does that Get Cracking doesn't do is that it takes itself seriously and that's what makes it funny. Get Cracking to me, I didn't actually enjoy. Get Cracking was absurdist humour. It was not based in realism. You could see a show like this Alan Partridge actually take place and it's him being real and him reacting and his ego, his um, insecurities coming to the forefront while he's live on air and all the disasters that go around with his guests. I just loved it and I'll be watching more Alan Partridge. Mock. Um, just at the risk of doing a massive callback, what a farce this segment has become that it just becomes a, a vehicle to promote the uh, Andrew Robin Robbo show. Jeepers creepers. Um, <laughs> uh, Aaron, that that transfer is happening into your bank account as we speak. Outrageous. Um, like everybody else, I've watched a ton of television. I'll, I'll give you um, three to hit or miss at. Um, I... I have previewed all of the episodes of The White Lotus, the big new HBO, very dark comedy that is uh, just started this week on Fox Showcase uh, in Australia. You might like it. Uh, the uh, <laughs> <laughs> We will. Maybe we will. Uh, maybe you will. I, I did not. Uh, I, I, the two that I am very keen to, though, is w- one of them starts tonight on the ABC. It's a first of four-part series called Ms. Represented. It's Annabelle Crabb um, interviewing past and present federal um, uh, members of parliament. Um, so there's Cheryl Curno, um, there is Carmen Lawrence, there is um, uh, uh, Ms. Bishop, what's her name? Angela's mum. Bronwyn Bishop. Across all sides of the aisle, it's not a partisan. It is every all women talking about their experience, talking about Australian history in politics. It opens with this great set piece talking about how women got to be in Parliament um, because of a bit of a backdoor furphy in South Australian Parliament in like the late eighteen hundreds. Uh, Are women not supposed to be in Parliament otherwise? Up until the late eighteen hundreds, they couldn't be members of Parliament. Huh. They didn't get the vote until 1894 in Australia. And before that, I think it was only just before that, that they got in South Australia the capacity to be in Parliament. It was a very weird kind of situation. Um, uh, up, up until the 70s, a woman couldn't own a block of land in Australia without her husband. I mean, take for But in 1984 in the old Parliament House was when the first female toilet in the Senate got installed and it was the conversion of a male toilet. It was, it's, look. Wow. A whole new respect for women in politics. It's phenomenal the hurdles they've had to overcome. Well, they're still overcoming, uh, let's be is, honest. Yeah, we're not there yet. <laughs> to even get this far to overcome. Um, it is an excellent interview documentary and definitely worth checking out. All sides of politics covered, misrepresented on the ABC. Um, I've also been and, fortunate. And Mark, yeah, yes. No, I was just going to say, so those women in, the sh- in, in that show, though, were particularly chosen not just because they were women in politics, but each one has a a first story. So there were some women that they wanted, but they couldn't include because they're going by the theme. It's the first woman premier, the first uh, woman in the Senate. The oh, first. smart. So e- e- yeah, each of those women actually have a first uh, in their title. First lots something. of stories, lots of great mm. stories, uh, both ones that are probably in Hansard and ones that aren't. <laughs> and it's, it's really impressive. Um, and uh, mate, what an impressive collection of women, honestly, just so much respect. I've been very fortunate enough to have access to the Ted Lasso season two screeners. Now this was a breakout hit for Apple TV plus 
last year. Um, and season two, it might have been the year before, God, I can't even remember. Um, Nothing on Apple COVID's Plus done. has grabbed me to, enough to take a look. Oh, mate, t- at Ted Lasso, change your life. It will okay. change your life. Uh, that 30-minute episodes, give or take. Uh, season two kicks off next week uh, on Apple TV+. Plus. It is delightful. He is effervescent uh, as usual. The basic premise is that Ted Lasso is the coach of an American uh, football team, NFL team, and he gets the gig to, to coach AFC Richmond, a UK round ball soccer football team. Uh, and oh. you can imagine how that goes down. <laughs> uh, it is absolutely... Ted's personality and approach to to the game and sportsmanship that transforms everybody. It is feel good in the truest sense of the word. It is funny. Um, they don't shy away from some of the writing uh, in how they approach the game and what it looks like. So, so great. Full of everything you want to watch on television. Ted Lasso, season one. The whole season is available now on Apple TV+. Plus. Season two kicks off uh, next Friday, I think it is. And you must, must watch it it's great well you got me with um jeremy clarkson although i did mean to pull you up that what was that brain box one you suggested we should watch the the one with bill bailey patriot brains oh i took a look i did not care for it at all i loved it it was so fun so i did fun. not care for it at all anyway it was production love of bill the bailey. lightest love level. bill bailey just didn't like the show. Um, but look, for more TV recommendations, make sure you go and listen to the TV Binge Box podcast. There you can hear Mog, Brookie and Joe bring you all the latest releases, give their views on what's coming out and have an in-depth look at one show each week. It's a great podcast, well worth being on your podcast list. TV Binge Box, search for it now. We should record another one of those. <laughs> Hopefully a new one coming out soon. Uh, That is TV Black Box for this week. Thank you for your company. Don't forget to go to the comment section of the podcast. Leave a five-star review and a comment. It helps us beat the haters. And shockingly, in the TV industry, there are a few haters. Who would have thought it? Um, And don't forget to go to tvblackbox.com.au for all the latest TV news. And we're now delivering straight to your inbox Go to tvblackbox.com.au slash newsletter and sign up for the newsletter. It comes out whenever there's something to report. It's sporadic. It doesn't come out every day. It doesn't spam your inbox. And it comes out just enough to keep you updated as well. So that's tvblackbox.com.au slash newsletter. Malt, Sarah, Aaron, thank you for your time. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Rest in peace, John O'Common. 